1: Let's get started. Special guest in the studio today. Really, actually, one of our most popular guests in the past. Once in a while, when we have on guests that'll do guest shows or episodes, Kristen Curcio, our advisor, longtime advisor that I've worked with for many, many years, did a show called a financial A Financial Planning Guide back in November. And it's actually really, the numbers are awesome on that. People love it. So thank you for coming back. Well,
2: thank you for having me.
1: But this is more fun because we get to kind of go through all this together. I think I was probably on a media hiatus back then. Yes. For a couple of months. I got media out. And now I've been media back for many months now. And we really have, we've had some awesome guests on the show. We've got Mitch Album from... Five people you meet in heaven and Tuesdays with Maury. It's so good coming out. Uh, the uh, Dr. William Lee on the foods that'll essentially heal you from the inside and keep you healthy. But uh, but this is this is a topic today, really for you know, if you look at the the who our audience here, we have about it's about 50-50. It's half men, half women that listen to the Retire Sooner podcast, Kristen, and uh, there, there's a lot of things that you have a unique perspective on because our in the, the industry of people in the financial advice business, financial advisors. I don't know the exact statistics, but it's like 99% guys, right? right? It's like mm-hmm. all it's 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 mostly men advising men and women and you've got this unique perspective you've de- you have a long career in financial services you were at Goldman Sachs Morgan Stanley and then i remember talking you into becoming a financial advisor um, maybe a decade ago
2: yep was yes. that correct that is correct yes did i really
1: talk you into it you
2: did you did kind of
1: kind of yes. did you you kind of always wanted asked, to do it
2: i asked a little too, though
1: that's true i think you you but you wanted to you wanted to kind of get into that world I Whereas definitely before did. you were in Equity sales trading sounded like very, you know, cr- very, very scary stuff. Yeah. Equity sales trading desk, <laughs> block trades. Uh, but so you've been a financial advisor for a very long time and you're a mom and oh, yeah. you've got two boys, are very cool kids that I've uh, I've watched them grow from little little dudes to like full-grown men pretty much. Yep,
2: pretty much. My older one is actually getting his driver's license in 3 weeks, so watch out everyone on the road.
1: <laughs> How scary is that? <laughs>
2: very. Did
1: he get his permit like at, right at 15 and then
2: about 2 weeks after his birthday he got it. So now he is just finishing up his Driving classes, like on the road driving classes, yeah. and then he'll be able to get his license coming up.
1: For every parent, it's, a, it's this is the <laughs> it is nerve wracking. I I don't know if I don't remember our parents being as scared about it, Kristen.
2: No, I no, my parents were pushing me out the door. They're pushing they you. Could out the not door. wait, <laughs> drive
1: get out. And we wanted to get out too. And that's also, maybe that'll come into our conversation a little bit too, is that generationally things are a little bit different. Kids leave the house later by a long shot today versus when you and I were kind of getting kicked out to go to college and get out of the house. And now kids have Uber and it's maybe the world's a little more dangerous. I I grew up in the country, so there wasn't much to worry about. It was not a big deal to go drive on back roads anyway. Today I live in the city. It's a totally different ball game.
2: Yeah, it really is. And a lot of kids don't even want to get their licenses anymore. I've,
1: I've heard that. I've, I say, I've heard that. I've got one who just, just turned 15, so I've got a little time. A little bit of time. Yeah. He may be in the Uber generation. Uh, but I think I wanted to get to, and I was thinking today as we were we were sitting down that when we talk about women's women's finances specifically, there, there are unique challenges when it comes to or when it comes to women and financial advice, or women and in, in investing, right? Um, so much of the the conversation when it comes to investing, I think is maybe just inherently and in def- almost default directed toward guys, guys, yes. and that creates some problems. The I had a wonderful interview. Uh, one of my, I think it was the first interview ever on Retire Senior Podcast a few years ago was David Bach, and he wrote a book from The Automatic Millionaire and he sold millions of copies of all of his best selling books. Uh, I interviewed David Bach on The Latte Factor, but he's also very well known for Smart Couples Finish Rich, Smart Women Finish Rich. And he's got a really unique perspective around this on women specifically have some things they really need to think about. So for all the, the women and the ladies listening today, I really, this is, this episode is for you to try to buck the trend of, of everything when it comes to finances, money and investing, always directed towards guys that's missing half the equation.
2: Yep. Absolutely. It definitely is.
1: So what is, and big David Bach, by the way, uh, was, and, and I, I, I praying for him to be healthy, recover. He was in, he just got out of, he lives in France, or he lives in France, Florence in Italy. And one of the things I interviewed him about is traveling, and he kind of did this sabbatical that turned into living for a couple of years in Florence, like living out everyone's dream. We actually talked about healthcare there. We talked about how he was really pleased with the healthcare system. And he ended up with bacterial meningitis and was in the IC. It was in the hospital for like over two weeks. So he just got out. So I'm praying for him to continue to have a speedy recovery. I know he's home. I wish him very well as I'm thinking about him doing this interview here today with you, Kristen. So, um, you know, with that, before we even get into to specifically what women face, that's different than men. When you, you, as a female financial advisor, how often, and when you have a new meeting or just your client base, is it just the husband?
2: That is a great question. Um, it's far more than I would like it to be. So, like Give me
1: a percentage, like roughly. Yeah,
2: so I would say probably 60% of my meetings are just with the man.
1: And that's even, so is, now are these single men? Or are you talking about well, this is a husband and wife, husband it's and still wife. just the, the husband?
2: Yep, still just the husband. And more times than not, they will tell me they have begged their wife to come with them, and she just really doesn't have any interest in coming.
1: Mm. And, and um, you know, I guess if you really, if, if I think about the same question, it's almost as though in the early years when I'm let's say getting to know someone it usually is husband and wife and then after a little while maybe like 2 or 3 years it starts to become more just the husband. Right. And maybe it's cuz the wives don't like me or <laughs> or I don't know what but or maybe just inherently maybe if if well, that's what I want to ask you. What What is that dynamic? Why is, I mean, do women just not want to talk about money? That doesn't seem, or they want to talk about money in a different way or context maybe. Or what is
2: it? I think for the most part that they're just intimidated by it. So I think that they think they won't ask the right question or it'll be too complex for them. They'll sit there and not know what to say. And I think that that really worries them about coming in for a meeting, for sure. Um, I think also a lot of these women in that particular um, demographic, they- Oh, so you're
1: talking, again, demo, think about, well, that's a good point. The demographic you're talking about is like 60, 55 up.
2: Exactly, exactly. So if you think about it, a lot of those women probably grew up in homes where the mom did not work and the father took care of everything money related. Yeah. And so they didn't see their moms being active at all in the financial situations in their homes growing up, and so they probably have gone on to have the same thing in their own.
1: It's funny. I would. I think about Lynn, my wife, and talking about money. She would. It's almost like how she looks at me with golf, and she'd be like, "You, you, you couldn't pay me to go play golf. It's so boring. Uh, it's like seems like the most boring thing in the world to her." We're just. We were just talking about this it's a little bit like that with like, if we were coming to investing, it's not that she's intimidated. It's just for her, it's like golf. She's like, please, I, the last thing she wants to talk about is investments and dividends. And she, she's interested in, she does, she actually likes to talk about business. So we'll uh-huh. talk about the podcast and the company and we'll talk about, things that arise all the time when it comes to business and and that, that involves money and it involves taxes. She's, she's in, always interested to, to hear about taxes, but when it comes to the thought around investing in specifically, that's where, again, it's almost like she's just very, like she's more bored by that than, than like golf. She's like, I don't like, just, you can't, you couldn't pay me.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to I come think play that's, golf with you. <laughs> I feel like that's like 90% of women. Yeah. I really do. And even in my conversations with my friend groups and women my age, no one wants to talk about it. They just, again, I think they feel like they don't know enough to talk about it or they really just don't care, except for that's where the whole problem is, is that they have to care. It's so important. Women need to know what's happening in their financial lives and feel empowered by the knowledge that they have.
1: Is it true... So, it's, again, it's it's often, more often than, than not, way more than 50% of the time, it's just the husband or the man coming in. Uh, even We're talking about couples here. And then we haven't even gotten to single ladies at this point. But we've got... The, the, the things that I always hear around women and in investing is that women are really more risk-averse and they're more conservative investors. Um, they are adverse to losing money as opposed to guys that are maybe out there more more risk taking is that yeah, true I that- and do you have any examples of 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 but husbands and or wives, and are they different when it comes to investing?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think that they are, and it's funny because uh, if would you take an example of somebody of a couple that has come in together, oh. the conversations that you have between the husband and the wife, and then them together, are so different. Oh, what right. Do
1: you, so you're talking if you talk separately with the husband and then and separa- then they come
2: in together. What yes. is that it like? Can, well, because just what you just said, I think women are much more risk averse. They're way more nervous about losing money. They want to make sure that their nest egg that they're going to have it forever, they're not doing anything that's going to change that. And I think men, they, they like to make money and they like better returns and you know they worry when it goes down but they're really happy when their money goes up. So I think it's just a much different, it's much different talking to, to each of them for sure.
1: So imagine the compounding effect of this is that women less interested, women participate a little bit less and then women live longer.
2: Well, a few things there. So A, women live longer. But B, no one has a crystal ball and no one knows what's going to happen. So there could be a divorce. Mm -hmm. There could be the unexpected death of your spouse. That's why it's so critical that women know what's going on there's so many questions that they need to have answered before anything and god forbid anything like that does happen but they want questions answered before that does happen and i mean i don't mind sharing i just hit the 50 hump a few months ago. And I know personally that I'm seeing a lot of things going on in my world with Mm -hmm. my friends, people that I know Again, unexpected divorce. A lot of people are becoming empty nesters. They realize they don't really like each other any longer. Mm -hmm. They're getting divorced. I'm seeing more people get sick at an early age. Mm -hmm. And so these things are happening. And in the meantime, a lot of women, they might not know if they have any investment accounts or where they're held. They might not know if they have a mortgage left on their home or if there's any outstanding debt. There's a lot of things that they don't know that they really should know before something bad happens. Or even,
1: right, right, when you're talking about not just... Beyond just not knowing what accounts are where, but what just what's the title? Is this a joint account? or is everything in Bob's name, or does Sarah have? sorry, if I can keep using Sarah and Bob here. But yeah, is everything in so is in in Bob's name and nothing in Sarah's name? or maybe that's I think that's that that just there. let's let's go do this. What are the important things if you are a spouse or you're a woman mm-hmm. listening to retire sooner? and first of all i would think the the folks listening probably do have some interest in in finances and investment or else they wouldn't be listening to this podcast now right. granted it might be for the Mitch album uh, interviews and the the eat to beat disease interviews or the Chris and curcio interviews but at the same time what are what are the challenges that how do we overcome that if you were to start from new today what are the things, like a list of things you should you should go find out yeah, for the family finances? What, give me some examples.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you could start at the very, very beginning with your banking accounts, mm-hmm. your checking and savings accounts, and how are they titled?
1: Title. And yeah. do
2: you have the passwords to them? Do you know how to get in? Do you know where they are? Investment accounts. Same thing. Do you have the passwords? Do you know how they're titled? Are they retirement accounts? Are they after-tax accounts? Are they joint accounts or individual accounts? All those things are super important. Your mortgage. Do you know where your mortgage is held through? Do you still have a mortgage? How much do you owe on your mortgage?
1: Do you have a second mortgage? Do you
2: have a second mortgage? Exactly. What about any debt that you have? Maybe you don't even know. And not because perhaps your husband is trying to keep it from you, but maybe you just haven't asked mm-hmm. and you just, and you figure he's taking care of it, but are there any outstanding debts out there? You should know about your insurance.
1: Insurance, something that, again, talk about going from uninteresting to just plain, almost impossible to want to talk about. I just got a a, a big thing from Chubb. Which is where I do for homeowners and all these other things. It's a giant packet. I feel like they send it every quarter, so it's like I start to ignore it after a while. It's the it's it's car insurance, it's homeowners insurance, it's umbrella insurance, and I went through that packet. Just I was cutting out the ID cards for 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 the cars to give Lynn her ID, the registration, insurance, and I'm flipping through it. It was like cyber insurance. It was um. It had like carjacking insurance. It had ransom insurance for the children. It had um, it had cyberbullying insurance. And I'm like going through this. Listen, Jake, my ten year old is like, he's like, Dad, are you is are you cyberbullying someone? And I was like, well, No, no. I'm like, This is insurance in case we get cyberbullied. He was in case you cyberbully someone. I was like, No, 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 no. In case we get cyberbullied. And we have to defend ourselves and get lawyers in order to be... De- the- That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, this <laughs> is <laughs> insurance is not going to help me fund a case so I can bully someone on the, c- <laughs> on the cyber world. <laughs> in the cyber world. Uh, anyway, I don't know where how we got off on that tangent. But again, it's like a stack. It's like a telephone book that yep. comes in the mail, and nobody wants to talk about it. No.
2: Oh, no. By the I- way,
1: what it was, it was something about... The- again, you would think I should know all this, but I'm not an insurance expert. It was about the loss of in case you were carjacked, you and you were worried about the person coming back and finding you. It was replacement costs for you to go like live somewhere else. Wow! So it was something, or, or it was like all it, it was a it's a whole category that's a still a pretty new emerging category, not carjacking, but things like cyber and bully insurance. And again, I could be talking totally out of turn here. Maybe we need to. That's what we need to do. We need to do an episode on insurance. And the reason it won't be boring is because beyond life insurance and term insurance and homeowners and umbrella, which we all see farmers commercials on every day in all state over and over and over again, there are so many other types of esoteric insurance like cyber, right? And all of these other insurances that my that Jake was having it was was laughing at. We that would be an interesting episode. I think that'd be great. But again, yeah, uh, this is hu- the husband and wife. Do they sit there? Yeah. Lynn literally left. I was like, hey, I'll give you your insurance <laughs> card. She was like, great, whatever.
2: No one wants to talk about it, I promise you, but you should but they should know, but people need to know. or if you have long-term care insurance you know, that nobody wants to talk about that either. That, that's horrible. That's horrible to think about down the line, but it's important to know if you have it. Um, it's important to know if you have any like stock certificates somewhere or there are I bonds in the bank somewhere or what's, or, you know, any kind of additional assets outside of the normal investment assets and, and banking assets. Or is there, what else is out there? Do you own real estate and, you know, to know the ins and outs of those real estate beyond your primary home?
1: Okay, so a lot of things come up here as we talk this through. The, uh, one, another, another adage that I've heard over the years is that women, and I think I've written about this and what the happiest retirees know, that women visualize, uh, men think of money as a river. Mm-hmm. Women think of money a little more like a reservoir. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part, I don't know, do you think of it that way? Or do your clients think of it that way?
2: Yeah, I think so. A little bit more, yeah.
1: So it's like if you have a if you have a reservoir, you're, you're like, I don't want it to evaporate and go wet. Exactly. Like that's it. This is all I got. Let's be really protective and careful. I get it. Whereas if you think of money as kind of this river then you th- maybe you're a little more less risk-averse because you feel as though, oh, we're going to continue to have money coming in. Absolutely. Whether that's from working or part-time work or, again, a big fan of dividends and income investing. That's part of the equation.
2: Yeah, well, I think, too, that right there, you just kind of hit the nail on the head, is that that's why women also need to be involved with the overall financial planning with their husbands so that when they are involved with that, they're going to learn a lot of aspects of financial planning that they might not know. So they might not look at it as a reservoir any longer if they can get to the point where they can look at it as a river, then that's that's a good thing. They're because less they're really, about it, running it, out. Yep, yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, t- tell me as an example, on a financial plan, as an example, when you, if you end up in that exercise, and not everybody wants to do a big full-blown financial plan, right? Mm-hmm, right. Some people really want to just focus on what are my investments doing? You're, I think you're much better off understanding you're, you're investing towards a goal. Absolutely. Which means there should be at least some sort of plan, whether it's a one-page financial timeline or a 50-page e-money plan. Yep. But when you're doing planning, in mm-hmm. addition to investments, Kristen, which I know that most of the time you're doing planning as well, is that a, a something that people do, t- a couple does together?
2: Not enough, but I think that once the conversation starts, I think a lot of times the woman realizes how important it is Mm -hmm. to do it together. Because we're also talking about, again, not just the investments, but your overall planning from here until the end, right? And so that could include a lot of different things along the way. Different things are going to come up in their lives, or they're going to hit, say, Medicare and Social Security, and all the different things that a lot of people just don't necessarily think of and then but they have to right so for the overall plan for all of those things it's so important and also to realize what you want your money to be for right so
1: so this goes back to goals mm-hmm. right so this goes back to the question around uh, first of all well i think you brought up a really good point if you haven't had if if let's say one spouse it's not always the the, the wife let's say that doesn't that's just not as interested right but i think that act of sitting down with somebody and doing even a a simple plan or maybe something more full-blown to your point you're thinking about different phases so they go hey what's the next phase and then that brings up oh well in the next phase we want to spend i think we need to spend we need 10 grand a month to live on okay well that that sparks another conversation well wait what does does that include our mortgage oh no that'll get paid off does that include long-term care no that'll get yes that includes long-term care or it doesn't so I think the act of doing that together, because one of the statistics that I, I continue to recall around happy retirees and um, happy retirees in financial planning is that your, your average couple, happy retiree, spends at least five hours a year in financial planning.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but think about an entire hour. Once a quarter or a little more than an hour every quarter, sitting down and doing a little planning. Or sitting down and doing planning, a little bit of that that can go a long way. Oh, Imagine yep. sitting out and talking about this is like it's time to eat your spinach. Yep. It's a little bit of spinach planning, <laughs> okay. which is, you know, you gotta get through some of these they may be a little boring, there may be conversations you don't love to talk about, like nobody wants to talk about death, mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk about long term care. But, it, but if you do, then now you have really eaten your spinach mm-hmm. and you're almost forced to talk about a lot of these bigger picture financial things that are so important. Like, hey, where, are, where is our money? Where, how is it titled? Hey, honey, what are the bank account? Where, where are all our accounts? Yep,
2: absolutely. And also, during that time, it gives you the opportunity to determine if for some reason you're not on the same page as your spouse about something. Like, for example... I want to go travel the world when I retire, and my husband never wants to leave the house. I don't have a husband, but if he did, never want to leave the house, we'd have a problem. <laughs> he probably wouldn't be my husband. So, right. So, if you're on to- totally different pages of what your money's for and what the financial plan really is, where it's to get you, then that needs to be discussed.
1: Okay. So you're t- so this is a cool thing. You're talking about goals and couples that might have totally separate goals.
2: I actually have a perfect example of this. I have a couple. Um, he is from the South and he loves to hunt and he envisions his retirement hunting all day, every day. Like tree talking tree stand. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. And then his wife is from the Northeast. She's a New Yorker. She lives in the South now, of course, but she's ready to like, go at it. She she's spunky, she's fun, she's just ready to travel the world especially after 2 years of, you know, being down with covid. COVID, COVID yeah. Um and so they're really not on the same page. Yeah. And they might wind up doing a lot of things not together in retirement and that's okay as long as the as long as they can get get over that and they can get through that. But I love it when clients have the same thoughts about retirement. Yeah. Like I have another I have a couple who they moved down to outside of the Tampa area. Mm-hmm. They'd both always wanted to move there. They've been in Atlanta for a really long time over the traffic. They moved there. They are so happy and it was their dream together to go there and now they are just living their best life. And if they're listening right now, they'll know who they are. So it's just, I love seeing them.
1: Are they, what about the kids? Do they, do they have adult children?
2: They do. And mm-hmm.
1: where are the adult kids?
2: They're still in Atlanta. Still in Atlanta. And Atlanta. so they come up when they can to see their kids, but they have decided that they want to live again. They want to live their best life and they feel like they're in the best place for that.
1: Have you ever seen anyone or do you have any examples of around people that were not on the same page So going back to your example mm-hmm. that they ended up figuring a way to work that out Or did it ultimately lead to them just kind of understanding that they're really just in different worlds? And it, I think, not that you're a marriage counselor. Yeah,
2: no, I do think (laughs) at that point, though, that people do wind up finding an in between. And maybe that the man who thought he really did want to hunt every day and the woman who thought she wanted to travel everywhere, they actually realized that there was a really good in between.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think you get this envision where he was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go. I'm in South Georgia, and I'm just gonna hunt completely." And I and she wants to go bop around America and and all over the world. That's I'll let her do that. In the reality, they probably she probably gets him to go on some trips.
2: Yep. Exactly. Yes.
1: And he probably doesn't hunt every every day of the week. No, of, of course no. not.
2: And of course, retirement is always a little bit different than what you envision it to be, right? You think it's going to be one thing, and then it winds up being different, and it's changing all the time too.
1: Let's talk about when you're talking about same goals and I go back to this and I think about Lynn and I were talking about spending time in, in Michigan and and I, I like it a lot, Northern Michigan, actually I love it. But I have this, I also love going out West. I love Park City as an example or I love being out West. So if it were up to me, I think I would just, I would say if we we're going to spend a month a year somewhere or have another home, it would be in the West. It, it'd be in Utah. It'd be Park City as an example. And her point is, well, if I, if we had two a month or two out of the year, I would want to be in Northern Michigan. She would want to be in Northern Michigan. So those two, I'm not uh, that opposed to it, but that conversation is helpful. Absolutely. And I guess it goes back to, going around the, your, your same big picture goals. So mm-hmm. what as a couple, mm-hmm. th- we think about what are some of the really bigger f- picture goals that, that we've got to wrap our arms around when it comes to that next phase, you called it end of life. I call it next phase. <laughs> <laughs> let's plan for the end. <laughs> let's plan for the, <laughs> let's plan for the next phase, which would be what?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, number one, just from a really basic perspective is how much money do you need? Mm-hmm. Are you? do you both agree on the same amount of money that you think you spend on a monthly and annual basis? That's just the number one question, I think. Because if that's out of whack, then there's gotta be a way. Everything's out of whack. Then then nothing else can work well, right? So it's coming together on that. And I would say most couples come together on that really, really well. Especially if they've been married for so long. They know, they know each other's spending habits. They know, they they know enough to know that they can get there. So I would say that that's number one. and number two is the biggest thing I think is what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. So, meaning, what is, what's the meaning of your money? Are you, do you want to travel or do you want to use your last dime or do you want to leave it to your heirs? Right. And making sure that you're on the same page about that because maybe he feels like, hey, I've worked all this time. I want to use as much as I can. And our adult kids are doing great and they're successful and they don't really need anything. And maybe she, as the mom, feels, differently like i still want to leave my kids something and my grandkids something and so getting on the same page about those things are really important
1: yeah have you seen that be a little less on the same page yes longer term than than the spending number as you said spending people feel like they come together yep but ironically if spending is the same you would think long term would be the same but you're saying legacy wise is maybe not always in agreement
2: i think sometimes it's not yeah. I mean, I, I I can't give you an exact percentage, but I do think that there are definitely situations whereby you see, again, one spouse that says, let's spend. I mean, they don't want to run out, but they, wanna, they want to use it on themselves. Because again, he or she, they've been working for all this time and they'd like to go ahead and use it. And one of them feels softer towards the children or the grandchildren and feels like they need to do more for them.
1: It's funny. I have a doctor uh, couple that I've worked with for 20, for a long time, since their kids were little, and now they're through in college slash medical school. And the dad, who's a surgeon, wants to fully pay for all of well, all of college, all of medical school, and even all and even a big supplement during the the lean years of residency when you're not making a bunch. Mm-hmm. And the mom, who's a who's also a physician. Wants to to is the opposite view. She wants them to pay for their own medical school, have debt for the medical school, and have give them no money when they're in residency and they're not making a lot of money. So I have seen some, and 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 they have very very different thoughts around money for the kids. Yes. Yep. Uh, speaking of money for the kids, the so on average, I, I find there's a couple of things when it comes to children, mm-hmm. and and retirement. One is that. Happy retirees tend to live closer to more of their children. So once they hit the 50% mark
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or more, they are anywhere from two to five X more likely to end up in the happy camp. Right. Which is interesting here. It's a, so if you have four kids, you want to live at least near two of them. Right. Right. And, or if you have six kids, you need to live <laughs> at least near three of the kids. We're doing some heavy math here <laughs> now that you can pick the kids that you like. If you, if you, Thank can, <laughs> you, you can pick the, the so, th- so that's one. The, the other thought is that I, I've found in our research that happy retirees actually spend less per month on their adult children. So they spend on average less than five hundred bucks on their adult children per month, whereas the unhappy group spends more than seven hundred per month. Mm. So it's an interesting dichotomy here. Is that, and again, I don't know the exact answer of why that relationship is what it is. I think that what I would glean from that is that you end up with the more independent your kids are, the happier the retirement, as long as you live near them.
2: Well, I'll that say totally that makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: You want your kids to be totally independent, as independent as humanly possible, but you also want them to live nearby. I love that. Independent. I want that. Yeah, I know.
2: Right? I want that. Yes. I guess that is what we all want.
1: <laughs> that I want, is, like, really. Kids off the payroll. You don't <laughs> need me, right. but we're still gonna live in the same city. Or we're still gonna live driving distance. Yeah. And I I would think that you see couples. Let, let's go back to women. This is where, again, we, let's focus back on women. Do, do you see a difference between husband and wife when it comes to the kids?
2: I think that women definitely want their children closer. I mean, not, I think that the men do as well, but I think that the woman is in hopes for grandchildren and she's like, that's her next, that's her retirement plan is or, to or be, a right? Part or of part it. of it, right? Not everyone,
1: though, right?
2: No, not everyone. But some.
1: Yeah. I, I've. It It is interesting. Do you have any examples of grandparents thinking they want to be grandparents and and then realize that eh, I'd rather be traveling than hanging out with grandkids 24-7?
2: So I do have an example of someone. <laughs> she moved down here from the north to be near her daughter and thought that her primary job, I say in quotes, would be to take care of her grandchildren. Um, she was single and she met the love of her life at... Seventy, they got married, and she's off traveling and having the best time ever. And she's not beholden to those grandchildren. She loves to see them, of course, right? But it's become a whole different, a whole different ball game since she met her man. And so, yeah. Whoa,
1: that is interesting. Love finds a way. That's right. Retirees that are married are do again. This is, I go back to the research. You do not have to be happy. You don't have to be married to be a happy retiree. However, I do find in the research that if you are married, you're about four times more likely to end up in the happy camp. Also interesting that I see no change in happiness levels with a divorce, meaning that there one divorce, well, one divorce. I, I The statistics do show as you get into – multiple if you're talking 3 4 divorces then unhappiness levels do actually rise but when it comes to one i always say you could there's one marriage mulligan no problem
2: that's right hey y'all
0: it's Mallory Boggs a producer for the retire sooner podcast from an investment standpoint the world is changing we've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation zero interest rates to much higher interest rates all of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is going to pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S dot
2: com.
1: We've been talking about couples, and we're talking about levels of happiness, married or not married, divorced, not divorced. But what would, be a, what would just be a couple of thoughts if you're single and you're doing retirement planning? If you're a, a single woman, is there anything that you should be thinking about that's that that maybe is different or is this a whole nother episode when it comes to single single ladies?
2: So I think it is an additional episode, but what I would say is that I would encourage all single women to find someone to help them if they really feel uncomfortable doing it on their own Mm -hmm. and a referral, find somebody that you can truly trust because unfortunately women still do get taken advantage of. A lot in in a lot of things. It might not just be in the financial services industry, but it could be going to buy a car on your own, or somebody coming to do work on your house. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different things, so we really have to kind of stand up for ourselves. But again, I think using a referral, maybe talking to a woman if it makes you feel more comfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a definitely have a number of female single clients who, all of which ha- whom I adore, and actually. Our relationship has been so great because they've used it as an educational experience. And that just makes me so happy because it gives them a lot of independence and it a lot of confidence.
1: Yeah. Are they, are they, have they gone through some sort of life event typically? Is that, yes. they, is it mm-hmm. usually after a divorce or, the, or are they widowed? Is that, how does it, how does
2: both? Yeah. Both of those primarily. Yes. And I think that, you know, on both sides for a lot of them, a lot of these women, I've seen them go through a real fear factor after that's happened. And that's why kind of how we started this conversation is what women need to know. They need to know a lot of things so that God forbid, the unimaginable happens that they at least have the knowledge so that as they're going through potential grief over a divorce or grief over a lost spouse, at least on the financial side, they're not so worried and so scared about what that looks like because they already have a lot of that. They already know a lot of that.
1: Maybe we've learned here that women are Maybe a little bit more conservative investors. Uh, and maybe that just means they're a little more patient mm-hmm. for one reason or another, maybe a little more risk adverse, which doesn't make them, it actually makes them maybe even better investors. So that's one. Two, we've maybe determined that it's less that this theme that women themselves aren't, quote, good at finances. Maybe it's that they're maybe just not as interested in finances. And it doesn't take to your point. It takes a little bit to overcome that, mm-hmm. but part of that is just getting having a relationship. I think the other thing too, Kristen, is just being just sitting here talking to you. It's a, and it is a great reminder of just having a rapport about finances with somebody is really help, It's really important.
2: It's so important. It's so important. And I, and I think that the other the other thing I would say is what we talked about in terms of goal planning goal plan with your partner sit down and have those conversations make them you know 5 out, 5 hours throughout the course of the year it's a short amount of time it's have nothing. a glass of wine and sit down and discuss it and make sure not that you're on the same wine. page <laughs> not too much but <laughs> but sit down and you know and and make sure that you all are on the same page
1: so to kind of recap that women are are maybe a little more conservative but patient investors that if they're not Overly interested, and that just statistically we've seen this is that you're saying that even with your married couples, it ends up it's very often that you're meeting with just the husband, right. which is not the way it should be. Right. But getting together with a little bit of planning can go a really long way because it almost forces you and your spouse to be on the same page when it comes to to your point one number number one spending,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then number two your legacy. Where does the money go? over, over time. Right. Let's talk about something a little more fun. Where do, do you see big divergences in where people want to live? Let's talk about second homes. We're in, we're in a 2022 economy. It is, I think about how expensive real estate has gotten. And I have clients always talking about second home. Hey, I want to get a place somewhere in Florida. I want to get a place somewhere, usually in Florida. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Or the mountains. Do you find that? I get a lot of in the mountains. Yeah, where do your people?
1: I I get Florida and South Carolina. Okay. Are the two. And then I've had a handful, handful of of families move totally to the West Coast, where it's more expensive, higher taxes, the whole thing. Always because of their kids live out there.
2: Oh, that makes sense. That's, but that, that would be every, the only reason that would make sense. Every
1: every single case of, of somebody that's moved out west to and all to California, mm-hmm. it's always because they have multiple children out there and they're following the fifty percent rule.
2: Interesting. Right. Live live
1: nearby <laughs> driving the distance between fifty percent of your children and your retirement levels go through the roof. But where are people moving?
2: I agree. Florida. um, Again, I've had a lot of people that want to move to the mountains, like North Carolina. I've had Asheville, a couple South Carolina, definitely. But for a lot of people, yes, you're selling your house for higher than you ever thought that you're going to get. But where are you going to go? It's 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 I mean, it's a conundrum, right? So, I mean, it's a question that I get asked. All the time. Actually, I have somebody that moved to Charleston. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there are some really great places like that.
1: We'll call them the Smith family. Live, Let's call it, they live in, when you live in Atlanta, right. it's kind of <laughs> remarkable how only an hour and a half north of here. Out, we're talking 90 minutes away. You're in another world where it is cooler temperature-wise. Mm-hmm. The elevation goes up and you're in the mountains. And it's not that hard to find, find a mountain lake. Now, it is now because right. all this Houses are are bought up, and just like a lot of places in the world, it's hard to find a lake house. But uh, the, the, let's call them the Smith family. They li- they they moved to the mountains from Atlanta. They live in let's call it Ella Jay, Jasper. Right. There's all these great little ta- Blue Ridge, all these wonderful places up north, and li- lived in a you know relatively quiet little mountain community. But for they thought, like everybody else, that they were supposed to go to Florida where all the fun was and wanted to go down to the villages Mm. and thought they'd live in the villages. And they went down. They rented a house for three months. I believe it was three months to kind of get a feel for it. Within 30 days, they were out of there. They said, this is not for us. And every time I see them now and talk to them, I always remind them. I say, remember, you guys almost thought you wanted to live in the villages. 15 years later, they're still in the mountains. They love the mountains. And you're talking about two polar opposites, right? Polar opposites. The villages, it's crowded. It's thousands of people. They're all playing water polo, driving around in golf carts. It's like crazy town. It's like a college campus. The mountains are, it's more serene. It's just a different life. I always think it's funny that you, they, I I think it's, it's, it's funny to think that we think we should go somewhere maybe in retirement, but this is kind of a fun conversation. And that, that may be another thing is that, uh, it it is a fun conversation to think about where you want to live.
2: Oh, I think it is too. I think it's great. And a lot of people don't want to stay here. They're ready to they're ready to go and experience something different.
1: Do you see retire couples and do do women are just as high propensity to move? Where do they want to go?
2: Yes, I think so. Yes. Like where? So, still
1: back Florida? Everybody <laughs> was going to I go think still back
2: Florida. I think somewhere more remote like Virginia. I have mm. one client who that's kind of her grandmaster plan is to go to Virginia. Um
1: the Shenandoah in, Valley. And, it's and just beautiful. Have
2: a much Yeah, have just a more just outdoor, easy, not trafficy, kind of kind of life. So, but I mean, I would say overall, I feel like Florida is always the magic
1: answer for most people. I, I want to go back to one more I want to revisit longevity. Okay. Uh, longevity is a very real thing for now even though the latest census came out with the life expectancy in America just dropped a couple years because of uh, we've had a lot of issues with the opioid crisis and then COVID mm-hmm. and I don't know, red meat. I don't know. Everything is not good for us anymore. That's why we're having on health experts here on retire sooner, live longer, but it is very real. Are you, do you, have you seen that in practice with women just living, living longer and, and, and living out their lives without their, their husbands? Yes.
2: And I think that, um, not only the financial aspect is important to touch on with that, but also what do they want to do? So this whole time they've thought that they were going to have a partner to do something with. And so it's so important. These women will be healthier and live longer if they can get themselves involved in something. And I think women are pretty amazing at doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that when women pass, men have a much harder time than when men pass. I think women really, they they have good girlfriends, they get involved, mm-hmm. they volunteer, they go to the library. They just, they do things. Um, so I think that for all women, again, it's so morbid. Nobody wants to think about it, but it is important to think what would happen. What would happen if, and what do I want? What would I do? What would my life look like?
1: Can you give me an example of uh, someone who had to, did, 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 by the way, when it comes to Kristen Curcio, nothing sounds morbid because Kristen's so (laughs) sunshiny. Nothing sounds all that bad coming from you. Uh, give me an example. Do, you, do we have an example of someone that, again, may, maybe they were widowed uh, much sooner than than uh, they were widowed, and life really changed, and and kind of walk through what that looked like.
2: So um, I do have a friend, and her husband passed away extremely unexpectedly at sixty. They were both sixty, and everybody was shocked. It was just no one could believe that it happened. She is the nicest lady. Um, she's got adult kids, but in their 20s, so not super adult, but adult. And um, and she actually, uh, I, and I know she went through an incredibly difficult morning time, and she actually posted on Facebook about two weeks ago that she had met somebody and they're traveling and they're doing wonderful things together. And, you know, when you look on Facebook and all the comments and there were probably like 350 comments (laughs) about how happy that people were for her. her, But think about when that first happened to her husband, so unexpectedly, I'm sure her world was in complete trauma and to be so young for that to happen. Um, My mom passed away at 60 and my dad was 66 and he had to deal with all that too. But he got really involved in things and, you know, he never thought that he would be 66 and and his wife would have passed away. But I think that if people can just can move forward and get involved and do things and be active, that it's so important.
1: So you've seen women be really resilient and recover Mm -hmm. in in these very traumatic periods. Yep. And how long does that take, Kristen? Have you seen it all different, all across the board?
2: Yeah, I think it's completely different I think it's different on d- depending on the person depending on what kind of family structure they have or they had outside of the spouse I think always that children and grandchildren help tremendously in those things.
1: Yeah, the the support of family yep. gets people through these really awful, awful times, and, and can be resilient around them. Yeah. So you're saying we go? It's not uncommon that let's say a woman who's maybe just not overly interested, like Lynn, my well, my wife, just <laughs> doesn't was not overly interested in investments. Have you ever experienced someone that has almost seen the light when it comes to wait a minute? I I kind of like this investing stuff, or I see how it works, and they're more interested has that ever happened?
2: Absolutely. So, um, I love these stories because I'll have women come in and first meeting they'll tell me they just, they don't, they don't really know much. They have very little knowledge on things. They just want me to take care of things. And again, I do try to educate people as we're having our meetings, right? Because it really, it's a two way street. You know, they, I want them to be getting something out of it other than just me investing their money. Um, but They'll go home and they'll say, well, you know, where should I look? Or I see all these um, stocks in my account, but I don't really know what the ticker is. Where should I look? So it's like... Well, go on Yahoo Finance and you can look it up and then you can see any news on the stock and you can look up anything like that or you can go on Morningstar and look up anything that you want and all of a sudden they're online and they're calling me and they're they're like I think I'm understanding this. Like, I understand. I understand my portfolio allocation. I understand why I'm invested in the things that I'm investing in and then all of a sudden they've got a small brokerage after tax account set up aside and they're doing their own little trading in the account and they're watching their own stocks that they're buying Um, just again as an aside. So um, i love that. I think that that's so cool.
1: It, it is. It's almost like someone who maybe has gone a while without taking an interest all of a sudden sees the light. Oh, wait yeah. hey, wait a minute. I, I get it. I understand it. Mm-hmm. And the more we understand things, the, 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 almost the more we can consume them and, they, and they're less intimidating. And then the light bulb goes on and investing can, maybe it's, it's for some people it's fun, but also it, it just brings some comfort with the, with the understanding it maybe this goes from it used to be a, a, a used to be reservoir and now wait a minute it's really more like a river and there's some comfort in that and it makes you feel as though you understand how this 30 or 40 page financial plan intimidating works and what's funding it and how how all of this is working and i think there's such power in that and i think this is where you have this special skill set Depending on what statistics you read, Barons, as an example, estimates that 80% of financial advisors are men, 80%, which leaves 20% are, are, are like you, Kristen Curcio, who really have this unique perspective for helping women, and whether it's single women, as maybe that's a whole episode on itself, or when it comes to husband and wife, really getting the, the spouse involved. That may not have been interested to begin with, you help them. There's such power to that. So, Kristen Curcio.
0: information.